0: Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project.
1: Um, so, uh, my name is Judah Rubin, for those of you who don't know me. I'm the Monday Night uh, Coordinator here at The Project. I'm glad to see all of you here. Um, and, um, Yeah. So um, I'm gonna introduce Eric first, then we're gonna take a break and come back with Lauren. Um, I um, the um, I really want to write as my like introduction for 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 both of these poets. That on Saturday night I was feeling insane, like I'm sure everyone is feeling insane, um, like more than usual insane. Um, And um, I got home and. It was like very late at night, and I went out with the dog, and I was like, I'll reread Eric's book in PDF form on my, on my phone and while I'm walking the dog because cause I need to just like not be paying attention to the world around me. And so I read the entire book while I was walking him, and it was a long walk, which is good for everyone. Exercise is great. And then I got home, and I started reading Lauren's book and I didn't stop until I had read both of them twice in a row, um, because they are really excellent books and, um, really, um, important and, and, and I don't want to say soothing, because I think that's a a bullshit word, but I, I was soothed by them. They were balms, and that was an important, felt important to me as a experience of reading, um, and I wrote two different introductions that don't say that explicitly, but that's what is going on behind them. So, um, in some ways I guess they're the most important books I've read this year because they actually felt like they had a, made a difference in how I was feeling about the world in a big way. So thanks for that. Um, but to be fair, that could have been you know any two people who are reading this Monday. No, I'm So let's see what I wrote for error. So, I wanted to introduce these two readers tonight, visiting us from the Bay Area, together, because, um, but I'm not going to, because I can separate the power of reading their books one after the other and then switching reading them um, one after the other as an attempt at understanding life and parenting and care and death and the afterlife of language and its care, the surviving of language as a means of dedication. Eric's book, Snail Poems, begins by announcing itself as a voice, as contradictory or or, or counteracting voices. I say, the poems say, I say, I say. When taken as a uh, polyvocal poem, the ideas are constantly redoubled, asked then what they say, what do they announce. While if we take them as being a single voice, they seem to act as the constant survival of the voice as itself, as a witness to its thought as embodiment, the vulnerability of the animal within the shell as it moves itself, as it exposes itself to the salt of a desiccated movement. The snail, of course, is related to the ear via gustation from Caracol to Kuchara to Cochlear. So what are we listening to in Sneathan's poems, and what compels us to? If you are a snail, Eric writes, I will know how to find you, and later, yesterday, you were my snail, and today, if you are a snail, and I pretended you died, just pretended, what would that mean to a snail? The act of mourning, of mourning as a contingency for a language to exist, one's private language and the language of one's poems. How do we reconcile the distance that seeks to curl within itself to build the calcium of restriction, the brittle bond of elsewhere? Quote, sometimes we're the ones to ask the dead, but these dead are strangers to us, gone in recycled skin. Our Our vulnerability is one of survival, it seems, from these poems. Our vulnerability is that we will survive the rising seas, the transport of ourselves, and the self's loss after death. We will survive language or be transmuted somehow into its ossified station of experiential diction. What it seems to me, or the strength of Eric's book, is that the slowness of ourselves marks the gravity of our reliance on one another. He writes, I watch a snail move away from this or that threat in its life, and I know it does not want to be annihilated. This is a response to mattering and not mattering. This is friendship and I do my best to reciprocate a call to friendship. Friendship exists in saying we will not annihilate one another, we help one another move and be moved. Friendship is the thing we hold up to those who would annihilate us and our imaginations. A weak, unsettling relation, a small weapon already scuttling along, a snail. Snails taught me about friendship and I couldn't have expected that. Please welcome Eric Sneathan to the Poetry Project.
0: This is our first time uh, being introduced, so that was quite an amazing uh, moment. Thank you. And thank you all for coming out. What a beautiful night. Terrible week. And, um... Yeah, I'm going to read something out from the book just real quick. (coughs) Uh, So... Is this really loud, is that what's happening? Or I'm just not used to this? Okay, I'm just not used to it, great, thank you. (laughs) Um, So I, about a month ago, I sent an email around to like 30 poets and uh, just people I love and asked them uh, what gives them life, Um, like what sets them on fire, what gets them revved up, and um, about like 10 or 12 people wrote back to me and I and I just collaged it together into a kind of long poemish thing, and it seems important to kind of give their responses here uh, back to you all to give life. Not haunted by life, shaken by ghosts, prisms, the wild noise of sky rushing past, struck out the mouth of the void, giving life. I wanted Eric with me. In the middle, wanted him for so long in the brush outside the station, burrs caught in his socks, nettles with a view from our road trip window just to come home and know that you got me. I won't disappear in front of you. I promise I'll keep it public with his pulse. I'll begin with this story, with a coat and a length of linen, with iron and corn. I'll begin with a horse and a tree and things will start to get really complicated. Jesse Norman singing Strauss and Frank Ocean singing Self Control, Lemonade, Sylvester, and Donna, turning up the volcanic heat of disco and Joni too, a Selena mega mix on the radio with Bob Dylan and Prince. I'll begin with Tori, Bjork, Tracy, the girls, Amy and Emily, or the genre of music I call women laughing with salad. Anything that makes me feel like I'm tossing my curls in a Pantene commercial, or achieving my dreams through the power of montage in a mid-aughts Anne Hathaway kind of a way. I'm so sustained by objects and comestibles and Pinot Gris. It's impossible to narrow this question down to one answer. I'll levitate in bed after a deep hit of boutique green suspended by such things. I'll get myself ready to talk some marvelous shit. So please lean closer. I was headed to Toronto to grill a quesadilla. But That's not it at all. I'm a friend or a lover, high, laughing so hard, not nearly so high as you, but filled with such tremendous affection for your delirium, it feels as if I am. Pulling into the city, pulling out of the city on a bus or a train, you're lying on the floor on your back right below the broken mic, holding the two things together somewhere near your chest tenderly. I love you, hope to see you again. What do other people say? The rushing of the waterfalls down below, the sight of the moon, lighting my love candle, casting a spell, smell of lavender, the pulse of objects and memories. I will sail to my ancestors pocket full of lemons when I die, trying to water bless myself by waking up early, getting away with things, the parting fog a wedding and a visit. I was waking up early. I was past the boundary, freaking out in Canada, shouting glitter in Cincinnati, sitting on floors uncomfortably and listening to a stranger. I think it was Jesus or Saint Anne, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus. At the center of my cathartic karaoke night, projectiles of fake blood. Fuck that night was pure Crisco. That you can pronounce words like cantaloupe and kumquat so elegantly obsequy and comestible just the way you said it. You know how the dream reappears. What could that mean? And you kept it moving in the basement of things in the archives. I hope you are doing well, dear friend, slowly catching up with real life. I knew the water was no accident there giving life that poets were so predictable about the sea, the water, most days certain divination in blue water, submerging my body in water, melody, music being in the water, especially big water with currents that could actually take me away, when I am so scared and can barely go in but I do, watching my friends bodies in the waves and salt and water covered in sand, drinking wine out of a damn juice box, the ocean when it's coming over a reef and the waves go in all directions at once, disordered, feeling alive through emotional pain, it's Brittany, bitch. Fingers crossed this is not too late. Chopping vegetables, tomato season, cooking a delicious meal and doing all the dishes afterwards. I'm so happy to look at him absorbed in his thoughts when I'm across the room absorbed in mine or like kissing my wife or watching her read a book from across the room. It's pleasing to feel as though I'm forgotten that my face is my only ID. I have some dumb line in my book about this someone else write about this song. Life is too short. Why starfish? Why black, brown, blue? Thank you, divas and punks. Thank you for that queer neon shooting down my spine. Thank you for the poets. All those inscrutable freaks quoting Wittgenstein in open company, singing our little powers in falling light. Snail. If you are a snail, I know how to find you. I know your wildflowers and wetter soils. I know your brown crust around the waterspouts. Being with you is like being two inches tall. If you are a snail, this is what I've always wanted. If you are a snail, please let me find you. Snail. Yesterday dribbles from my mouth like honey. There were days of laundry and urgent bubbles. My mother shifted money from column to column. My father read to me from his red reading chair. I went into life to have an unsettled imagination. I went to Stanford to fall in love. I died in this life and I was not a success. I'm proud to say I was never important in the overall scheme of things. Snail, if you are a snail, if you die in summer, I will know how to do this. To dig a hole, to add a snail, to cover her with dirt, to cover her with clover blossoms. I will need Emily Dickinson for the rest of my life. Snail. And yesterday, well, that must have been yesterday. Your body was moved from Morocco to South Korea where your parents were waiting for you, ticking off lists, debating which color would be best. Flush, then white. You were moving on planes that I have never seen to lie in a graveyard I will never see. If you are a snail. I was the one passing through the subway and reading Walt Whitman and now never knowing your graveyard. I won't know if I'm looking toward you or away when I pass your favorite restaurant on this side of the water. Snail. The music video for size Gangnam Style reached over 1 billion hits the day the world was supposed to end. If you are still a snail in your cemetery in South Korea, perhaps Sai comes to frequent a plot near yours, paying his respects to a grandmother or aunt who was kind to him before he was anyone special. If you are a snail, that is, and not yet grass or birds or soon-to-be soil passing through earthworms just inches below his feet. Snail. Being a materialist, There are two ways to explain my sex dreams with snails. Either you are a giant snail, approximately five foot six, taking off your shell to snuggle and spoon, or I'm just a really big pervert with snails crawling all across this body. Oh snail, if you are a snail, what dreams I have of you tonight. You finally baked my favorite cupcakes, you fucked my hole with a nine inch strap on, you recited your book to me from memory. Playing games with my ganglia snail. I think this is getting serious. Snail. After your passing, we stormed the discotheque, the Jefferson of Rue Patrice Lumumba. Melanie did the worm, slapping her breasts into spilled drinks and specks of glass, and I have no doubts you would have loved us as we were furious and out of control while I was fucking wasting my time and eating undercooked popcorn and watching B-movies like the the remake of The Women or my favorite Under the Tuscan Sun. I was crying about verb tenses and what was left of them. Yesterday, you were my snail, and today... If you are a snail, and I pretended you died, just pretended, what would that mean to a snail? Curling back inside yourself, no limbs for me to tickle or manner of spooking you further away from me, a mere helix shell I shake like a magic eight ball and try again later. Snail. (coughs) Snail you're a snail, you're a tremendous snail. Tremendous from the Latin tremere, meaning to tremble. Yesterday, I laid down and struggled to fall out into the sky in order to feel tremendous. Snail, slimy snail. You're all I've thought about sometimes. After two beers or an enema, or a combination of year round YOLO and 50 assorted toppings, what's next? I can art a while to change my life. I'll watch the water green, then purple and yellow, even to pass through arrangements of shadows and the verticals of trees forever. Dear snail, Commit to me and I could be your coked out paramour, cloaked and dazzling, your investment banker in ascots, a wounded soldier who bleeds out on the table, the chair, the layered banks of clouds that permit light to break through and still to wrap our heads in heat all night. It's okay, snail, I make bad art too. Snail. I look up for the first time, then I break in even further, I look up again, clear sky, black sky. Caterpillars are so large sometimes. It's the kind of obvious thing I find charming at a distance and then push waterfalls of vomit. And I'm under that waterfall like full Care Bear stare chunks of stepfather's meatloaf microwave vegetables flopping pink and clumpy on me like fish i romanticize if only tlc were alive to help me when i look backward through condoms or any 19th century but they will never be again sometimes we're the ones to ask the dead but these dead are strangers to us gone and recycled skin I wonder, if I am here with TLC, who are sitting with my little one, my asparagus, my fountain? Did you know that was the kind of question I was capable of? Snail, I missed you yesterday as you slept behind Manhattan and among the maple trees, I'd wanted you to know the sun went on as you dreamed your snail dreams of a falling star, a piece of space lint flashed into the sea, burnt there perhaps where 21st century mermaids swim and cull our galactic debris, our shards of coral, and the world begins to fall down anew. If you are a snail atop your pillow, here's what I want you to do. In Brooklyn, before the lights flee, sing to me a snail, respond to the real questions in your very real life, and then she melts away. Snail. Art likes the story of people holding each other's diarrhea. He says the most tender thing is to hold here, molten brown insides unspooling from each other, to hold the real shit of the person in chains of being and unbeing. My hands, my utility get so warm with your life stream. You're that tiny force holding up behind me, my own exhaustion, my spectral choking hazard. Now, (coughs) I went into the streets to taste what you taste. Bubblegum flats and cigarette ashes, the pleasure of pebbles and gray rat pellets. An unfinished experiment to see your work as the work of a body spent, overrun by fire ants taking your shine. I felt like a child again. I argued about the shape of the storm. I so often see a dragon or a herd of zebras entering the unknown, or I face south and the image becomes something else entirely penguins jumping into a walrus's tusks whiskers, it's expanding mouth small minded. I haven't been prepared for such a transformation. A yesterday, a thought of you as the one thing I'm left to think about. Snail. <coughs> I try so hard. But what's the best thing about your body? It's the cliff we're on. It's another bonfire night all night. Another come closer. Hold her cold blooded question. Did you know I grew up in San Diego? When I look out from this bench, whether I'm strong or weak, it doesn't seem to matter enough. Strange bit of biography. Impressionless keeps making my sunrise. Okay. Here's the dream part. At the mall, zombies, very sexy zombies take the fountain. Disco really takes us there, splashes us around. Madonna and me, I'm eight years old. I'm making fetch happen. A zombie considers her hair. She wants the brains wrecked just right. And water, akimbo, I reverse boot scoot or I'm spun around to watch her is to watch her brains fall out continuously. Then it's over. It's a bonfire we're wrapped around, a question we keep warm by our warmth. (coughs) And this will be the last one. (coughs) Snail. My friend's name is a kind of data now, a precious Google fodder I employ from time to time. Do I censor in the background percentages of an email I'll never send or aquamarine pixels and beige slowly striking out our city's surveillance system? I ask you, Snail, have you seen her grubbing in fields of something statistically glamorous or urgent, a red trend line or a wounded ticker tape, California drought, Baltimore riot, man says debt drove him to set woman on fire. These things, this new dailiness scrolling through me, it would have changed her too. Thank you.
1: Thanks Eric. Um, So, I guess the caveat in this, in this intro is simply that um, I'm a person who's like obsessed with um, trying to unravel how someone wrote a, wrote a book when I, when I read it. And um, there are all these, um, it feels like constellated moments in, in, in Lauren's book in this way that uh, started driving me crazy when I was Reading through, I mean, good, good, crazy, good, crazy. Um, but um, so there's a lot. There's there's obviously a lot more to say about about both these books. But um, but this really drives, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, when I first met Lauren Levin, um, when she read at the Poetry Project, what was it, three years, three years ago, something like that, I think maybe something like that, three four years ago, um, I asked her to send me some poems for the magazine I was then running, The Death and Life of American Cities. In the work she sent me. She wrote, "Let a mind cast where it will. If that's the only way to do this, along the progress of a thought from start to finish, a sleeve's end, which in many ways seems to unspool some of um, some of the braid." Her book from Kupskaya, um, uh, braided because the way that one's hands burn against the fabric of it if the angle of descent is too steep, but also in the precipitous ends of thought, which are like Duchamp's first surrealist papers exhibition during World World War II, entangled in a web of string, miles of it that cannot be undone without entangling oneself in the thought of seeing, in the thought of reading that is the crisis of thought and of pain, love, parenthood, care, and the coin of mobility forever resting on its side. Levin writes, Dear jails and prisons being built while I was lifting, how you were making time a well that now can never really lift, or that's how I feel now. Summer eyes that teach the day to a day job, loose the loosening muscle of a pelvis, cratch of a spleen. Huchamp, so Molly Nesbitt said, in a talk I went to on Saturday, also used the same, that same string that he wrapped all these paintings in, in this gallery, uh, to keep bugs out of his home when he was living in the unoccupied zone in France during the war before leaving for the United States. Loops and loops of string to keep the bugs out. The string in the gallery gathering the light, making the paintings impossible to see. What does it mean to see oneself in the failure of compassion upon which so much is founded? Levin seems to answer, wants to see the rippling wide ocean, wants to see the pipeline. Will my body start to well, love, and care if I can't feel it? Democracy, praise Reagan. My withering meager anger, my incapacity, welled up but couldn't harm the rhythmic sun. But so too that that incapacity is founded upon the immobility of sight as station, and that the stationary upon which we write also blocks our vision as mobility. Does not braid, but instead uh, teaches the day to a day job. Still, and maybe this to me is most vital, time and memory, the once in the while, the mind cast as will, are two sides of metal, and all chance of its experience is contained therein. The unique performance of Lauren's work, it seems, is to, is, is that of Janice's mirror, and I am honored to be welcoming her to the poetry project. Please welcome Lauren Levin.
2: Thank you for that wonderful introduction and and for inviting us to read. Um, Thanks, Eric. I'm so glad to be with you and listening to you read every night. It's No, it really, I don't know. It makes things better. (laughs) And yeah, this is a rough time. So thanks, everyone, for coming out and being together. Um, I keep thinking I should mix it up, but then I keep not mixing it up and just reading the same poem from this book, The Braid, um, because there's a strain in, this, in the book that's kind of about politics and the body, the effect of politics on my body um, as a child growing up, my anxiety, um, giving birth, being a parent. Um, and a lot of that stuff is also a big fuck you to Reagan. Um, and not just Reagan, but sort of Reagan as an undead strain of politics that we're seeing right now in full force. So I just want to read the poem that really um, has probably the most of that in it, and just just say I can't I can't believe where we are and where we've been, where we continue to be, and I don't know I don't know what else to do. Um, okay, this is called uh, the Diamond Skull, and am I am I loud enough? Too loud? Right? Okay, <laughs> thanks. You're right. It's like hard to. Hard to know, Uh, my purse has a funny smell. I root around in it and find a piece of rotting pastry Alejandra didn't finish eating, also a dropper sticky with her medicine. When she used to shit each time she ate, eight or so times a day, Tony and I had a disagreement. Tony wanted to open her diaper and let her shit directly on the changing table. I wanted her to shit in her diaper but he didn't like the idea of all that shit cloistered with her skin, maybe burning her. No one with large sums of money to disperse wants anyone to do anything worthwhile with it. Alejandra has been playing with the watering can in the bathtub. I empty it after she goes to bed. A strange clump of organic matter falls out. David Vojnarovic appeared on a talk show the 11th hour, wearing a rubber Reagan mask and citing AIDS statistics, putting the words in Reagan's mouth that Reagan always refused to say. Wojnarowicz said about his AIDS diagnosis, when I was told that I had contracted this virus, it didn't take me long to realize that I had contracted a diseased society as well. There are three ways I can kiss Alejandra's cheek, kisses, zerberts, and cheek chompies. I ask her, Do you want some cheek chompies? I covet objects, but the heat is actually in a person's hand, moving the object, stroking the nap of the velvet, or the heat is in the body, the legs in the drape of the pants. The body has a very sensuous way of selling. I witnessed my mother in action at the bookstore, patting a hardcover like a small child's cheek. To alter a Fanon quote, A woman who possesses a language is possessed by the world expressed by this language. I know a little Spanish, some half-assed German, and the native English of my Reagan-era childhood, a language of crimes, criminals, punishments, and victims. Victims' rights and crimes against humanity, alleged victims, victims' bodies. Phrases using the word heart, phrases using the word time, words that rhyme with victim, the hazy sea of the past. There's a famous Bernini sculpture named The Rape of Prosperina. Bernini was 23 when he made it. Pluto's fingers dig into Prosperina's flesh. The flesh of her buttocks in waist is yielding, an effect praised by critics. That is, in fact, the effect the statue seems to center on and spotlight the fingers pushing into the flesh. The idea that this effect could be captured in stone evoked wonder. Critics were quick to praise it. And Rudolf Witkauer says, representations of such rape scenes depended on Bernini's dynamic conception for the next 150 years. What to say about this? The landscape is our clothes as though the world is just some big container and we have spent thousands of years of our history finding the best, most beautiful words to describe the outside of the container to avoid looking at what's inside it, a rape. The obvious things are worth saying too. The obvious things are worth saying instead. Which reminds me of a recent Facebook argument about whether it is okay to describe the racist actions of white poets with the term white supremacy. I feel grateful when Jasper writes that what if, instead of spending our time critiquing the term white supremacy, what if we spent our time on stopping the racist actions that caused that term to be used in the first place? He said it more elegantly, but I just want to get the point across. I run into Claire at the coffee shop. Turns out she's from Miami. She tells me that because of Art Basel, there's money floating around Miami for the arts, even for poetry. I could go to Miami and do anything I want. We talk about being nostalgic for driving rain, rain that really gets you wet, rain in which each drop is a globe. There's a river of different artists flowing through each gallery, their ideas replacing each other month to month. The stars become a blanket or a net thrown over us, and all problems begin with the phrase, your client wants you to. Your client wants you to design a control system for an elevator. Your client wants you to write software for a bank. I find a pair of Alejandra's old shoes with a thin yellowish crust or scale covering their Velcro straps. My best guess is spit up. I show them to Tony. He thinks mucus, an old sneeze. Porqueria equals dirt. We give the shoes to baby Edith, (laughs) whose parent is here (laughs) tonight. I have almost done enough laundry to make the poets for the people sign emerge from under the heap of dirty socks we've thrown over it. The type is big, red, and bold, and the part you can read over the sock line now says, Poets. After giving birth, waiting for a sag in my guts to tell me I can shit, will it ever come? I remember in workshops being told not to use the words nice or interesting, but those are the words that hold the most. Their peculiar flatness contains so much, like a rich sediment I will add to and excavate every day of my life forever, as long as my forever allows. And I'm relieved to read that Baudelaire thought the only words worth using and with use excavating were the most banal idioms and cliches, as though that gives me permission for something. After the baby was born, my mom kept bugging me about thank you notes. I finally said to her, Baudelaire never wrote thank you notes. Not that I think I'm Baudelaire, but my outburst had an impact. She hasn't asked me about thank you notes again. (laughs) I I sort of can't believe I wrote that story down because it's so embarrassing, but I actually did say that. Baudelaire may not have written thank you notes, but he did write a lot of letters begging for money from his parents and others, wheedling, sycophantic, and vengeful by turns. Loops of burning cars, rhythm of fighting over a car, smashing a door, lifting a tire iron, a bat. I think of my mother, her anger, her musical voice, the way she stonewalls, Her beauty as she ages, her beauty always, her very open laugh, her cruelty and gossip and her curiosity, her hypochondria and worry, her endless cleaning and washing dishes, my sense of her living strength as she sleeps beside me. I'm so tired that I violently blush. The sun casting itself back on the hills. The hot breath of being alive has no doubts right now at the end of human reign an exhaustion that flickers back into a crazy cracked penumbra that is already embedded in search terms, zaps finger to finger. My hands are sweating, stop and start, open and close. I bring Alejandra to the park and try to talk to everyone there because I'm bored and sad. A homeless person sells art on the street in front of my office with a sign that reads, help me go away. Walmart held a food drive for its workers, and striking workers returned the food bin to Walmart owner Alice Walton's $25 million New York condo. The corollary of saying, I'm glad Reagan's dead, as Killer Mike does in his song, Reagan, is that Reagan was a killer, which he was. Though every American president is and has been a killer, there's something special about Reagan, his awful pastoral innocence. As James Baldwin writes, it is the innocence which constitutes the crime. What is the ideal of time? A present building or working toward a future? I look up and see a child's hand tugging at a parent's shirt from a wheelchair. Reading biographies is reading, but without the fear of going down into the potentially what? Something too deep, impossible, too tidal, too strong for me. The police hate people who want to exist. The small moments in which something bursts forth. This book sucks. I was fascinated by photos I'd seen of the skull and bought this book because it was supposed to describe the creation of the incredible work of art. This book spends a majority of its time on the age, shape, condition, teeth, and place of origin of the real skull, not the jeweled creation. The discussion of diamonds is basically some drawn diagrams that explore the atom structure of diamonds. Who cares about atom structure? Tony and I start watching a documentary called Cocaine Cowboys. It's pretty awful, but we like it. Tony asks me if I ever watched Miami Vice. I didn't. Miami Vice, the music, and aesthetics remind him of his father. The documentary starts with the drug runners, one in a big white body, one in a scrawny white body, describing all the details of their plans in such mind-numbing, no-forest-for-the-tree's detail that they begin to sound more and more normal. They buy real estate to put kilos of coke in, kilos floating on the waves. They put kilos in trunks of cars and buy a tow truck company and have drivers drive the junked cars so no one who gets caught will know anything, which sounds like a good idea to me if I had the money for the companies and trucks. It's all a sort of soothing drug marginalia and feels white in the same way that I played a lot of Jeopardy and Trivial Pursuit in my white childhood because facts make you smart. The white drug runner describes meeting his white Coke wholesaler and says, he seemed like a nice guy. We're still enjoying the movie to this point. I do love the little details of professions, how things are done. Plus I tell myself I'm learning something about whiteness. Then the tone shifts. As the documentary describes the role of Cuban refugees in the drug economy, the narrator says, Fidel Castro said, I have emptied the toilets of Cuba on America. And a sheriff says, rape, looting, pillage, there was all of that. We turn off the TV when the narrator starts talking about an invasion. La migra, policia, la misma porqueria. We keep talking about how racist the movie was. We feel dirty because we enjoyed the beginning of it. I remember reading about obesity as a result of agro-capitalism finding a place to store its calorie surplus in people's bodies. And the curator Hans Ulrich Obrist, who I'll talk about later, must be a place for the capitalist art world to store its excess of vitality. I guess that's in New York, a joke for the New York audience. (laughs) How the curatorial elite, the jet-setters, burst forth with their joyous sleeplessness, extracting energy from everyone who works the Cuban refugee population became a place for the documentary Cocaine Cowboys to store its excess of white supremacy and to store an idea of crime and criminals that wouldn't fit inside white bodies. I can't wear contacts anymore because I got an eye infection. I used to think that chopping onions didn't make me cry, that I was immune, but it was just because I wore contacts and had a membrane over my eye. The New York Times story on aging has a vision emulator. This is what a toilet seat looks like with aging vision, with yellowing vision, with yellowing vision with cataracts, with yellowing vision with cataracts and glaucoma. It gets dimmer, quieter. Scattered coats and high-heeled shoes in front of the closed garage that when open is the permanent garage sale. I have a note in my notebook that Leopoldine Core said, a purse is an externalized pussy or womb, so I confess that the beginning of this poem is kind of a joke with myself about a rotting pussy, rotting cunt. Tony won't read Alejandra the nursery rhyme that goes, I love little pussy, her coat is so warm, and if I don't hurt her, she'll do me no harm, because he gets too embarrassed. I read something about Hans Ulrich Obrist, the curator, he allows himself only 15 minutes of sleep every three hours and his ambition is to talk to everyone in the world. I also read that increasingly the most powerful curators are those who have the stamina and the budget to see enormous amounts of art and distill it into themes and movements. During a studio visit, the artist describes the curator as, he's like a good mom. The artist means that Hans Ulrich Obrist looks at the artist's output and says, everything my son has done is good. The curator doesn't have a daughter, but I do. Everything she makes is good, though a lot of it is shit. She is good at externalizing her values. At daycare, she makes books, purses, pictures of flowers, and large cardboard cutouts of the letter A. Tony's dad isn't white. I want to say that because of what I wrote about Miami Vice, though I feel weird showing you his body. I text Tony to say, I'm sweating so much. It's the caffeine. I notice from the first volume of Susan Sontag's journals, the entry, for each person, there is a very limited range of types of people. He, this he is crossed out in the notebook, but no other pronoun is put in its place. Salt dries at the corners of my eyes and mouth when I feel embarrassed or endangered or even at a loss. I have a pinkish mole on my belly. It sticks up like an eraser. Did it just appear? Neither Tony nor I remember it. I have a small, flat, dark brown mole just above my lip. Tony likes to touch it. Alejandra hasn't noticed it yet. She's 23 months old. I have a triangle of moles on the right side of my face that I think of as a constellation. Alejandra has a splotch birthmark, a pale coffee stain on her back, like the one Tony has on his arm. Tony gets freckled in the sun, he has an inner ring of green in his eyes, and they sometimes show green. He has the blackest eyebrows, that our bodies existed at the same time, while we were at our different points, waxing and waning, that feels important to me. Laura tells me that tears contain dopamine, so it makes us feel better when they flow into our mouths. Like a mother animal, sometimes I have the urge to lick cheeks, to lick cheeks, to lick tears off Alejandra's cheeks while she's crying. Though there's a powerful expression in opposition to false empathy and white guilt, don't drink someone else's tears. Into the fog that tells me gently where I'm not. I'm going outside and someone vanished, I don't know, stepped away. The soft fog coming down where we walk to protect us from the sun. Some of William Pope L's artworks are crawls. He crawls across New York City and describes it. You see New York from a very odd vantage point, and you do have a sense of melting inside. I don't know what it is. He meant for other people to join him on his crawls, but that was not something everyone living wanted to do. Alejandra likes returning to a crawl. She calls it being a baby. In February 2015, three Roman frescoes illegally excavated at Pompeii for an American collector were found in a Delmar garage. In his book on Baudelaire, Colasso writes about how thought, at the mercy of the marketplace, is always a stowaway. It emerges, digresses briefly, then vanishes. This quote makes me think of how often women try to destroy their appearance in order to be heard without it. Though you probably won't be heard, you will have tried. I want to turn again to Reagan. I have tried to read Reagan biographies, but they are so dull. I want to ask the question, why is Reagan so dull? The answer I have arrived at is because Reagan is a sleeping pill that offers those who swallow it the unalloyed enjoyment of white innocence. Reagan's speechwriter described his voice as, a fine Merlot being poured gently into a crystal goblet. That was from a Reagan biography, so I guess they're sort of worth reading. One thing Reagan said was, a few months ago I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. There's just something about so much serenity, That's Reagan's pastoral, a calm heart, undisturbed by fact, truth, or justice. Reagan can see, absorb it all. He remains completely calm. His voice sounds convinced and convincing. That's why the Reagan rubber presidential mask is the best mask. That's why if Nixon was like the first Terminator, Reagan is like the Terminator who shifts form in Terminator 2 and can resemble a friend or a cop as the need arises. No distance between his form and his skin. No distance between his heart and a lie. I will add, Reagan's voice is like a big, smooth, fluffy blanket. Reagan's voice is like the ultra-hygienic, odor-free steel diaper pail that Tony and I own, powder-coated a fresh turquoise, I think of as Miami color. It's not like we don't know what's in there. All the suffering, it's not that it can't be seen the Eric Garner verdict, the Rodney King verdict, all the facts that are perfectly visible and yet don't matter. It takes more than seeing to make a dent in white innocence. Jeff Koons Pluto and Prosperina is an 11 foot tall stainless steel sculpture coated with transparent color and live flowering plants purchased to place in the breezeway of a luxury oceanfront condo in Ball Harbor, Florida, which is slated for completion in 2016. Is it okay to tell yourself something bearable to replace something unbearable? In order to be safe, do you have to keep moving or be pinned down? I read the story of Mala Crianza, the bull who kills the matador and is the popular favorite. Mala Crianza means badly brought up, but in the sense of badass, not in the way I'm badly brought up. Disorganized, sloppy, with bad table manners, trying to palm the domestic work off on Tony, feeling comforted by having enough towels, by an excess of food in the fridge, chewing with my mouth open. I was thinking this morning in the shower that it's funny how people still critique an idea of confessional poetry as though confessional means the same thing it did before every detail of life was already visible on the internet. As though nakedness now means what it did in the Victorian era as though we don't have our own forms of nakedness and our own forms of shamelessness, like the nakedness of Michael Brown's body when a white male poet who calls himself a poet reads Michael Brown's autopsy report aloud and calls that poetry. Art as white invitations, white casting sessions, white meetings, white convivial and user-friendly areas, white appointments, white innocence, and white cruelty. The obvious things are worth saying instead. I read that rather than containing dopamine, as Laura told me, tears contain stress hormones and expelling those hormones from the body is why crying makes us feel better. When my grandmother died, I was waiting for a death and a birth. Alejandra was six weeks away from being born. The present was overtaking and capturing me in waiting. I kept thinking that there would have to be another week in my grandmother's life. Then when it was clear there would not be another week. I thought there would be another day, another endless day. This being the reason for division and counting to slow time. Life flows around the absence of a person, the absence of justice. It's encapsulated inside me where I can't feel it. During this descent, though I was making it for another reason, I was able to see my non-being as a woman. In the opening of Black Skin, White Masks, Franz Fanon writes, why am I writing this book? Nobody asked me to, especially not those for whom it is intended. Only a book that's unwanted can open something. The nature of time dilation, when waiting for a birth or a death, everyone shits while giving birth. Last week, I dreamed that Julie was going to kill herself as an activist gesture related to the sixth extinction. I tried to convince her not to with the craven argument that there's quite a distance between a regular Western capitalist life and this huge decision. Maybe she could try a year of ascetic devotion to environmental activism and then kill herself if she still wanted to. She told me she was disappointed. She thought that as a fellow Gemini, I would understand. While she was saying this, I was thinking, but I'm not a Gemini, I'm a Pisces. And the train door was closing and I hadn't convinced her she was going to do it. I was trying to decide whether or not to tell my parents because I wanted an outlet for my grief, because I thought maybe they would stop her as my proxies since I didn't want to go to the authorities myself. But what would happen to Julie? Would she just get put in an institution? Strangely in the dream, it didn't come up that Julie has three small children. I woke up thinking that it was was real. I thought, oh, I dreamed about that awful thing with Julie, and then I thought, maybe if I dreamed about it, that means it was only in the dream and not real. I felt relief. I'm thinking now that if my horrible dream had entered reality, Julie's suicide would not have been seen as she wanted it to. It would have been read as something around the kids, not being a good enough mother, being tormented by having three small children. She would never have been allowed her self extinction as an activist act of grief. Reagan said after the Challenger disaster, the future doesn't belong to the faint hearted. It belongs to the brave. I did some research thinking I would find an answer to what tears do. Do they carry stress out of our bodies in the form of cortisol or carry gentle opiates that flow into our mouths and skin and relieve pain? But the evidence is inconclusive. Which means that though my poem can go both ways, I also don't know what's happening when I lick Alejandra's cheeks. In her book, The Gentrification of the Mind, Sarah Schulman writes, the names of our friends whom Ronald Reagan murdered are not engraved in a tower of black marble. I mention this to Lindsay and she says yes, and where are all the memorials for the deaths that aren't remembered, the deaths not considered worthy of being real deaths, for the AIDS dead, those who are lynched, the murdered wives and partners. Later on, I think about how memorials to some of those dead have been built by the chemical swirling in my body, its fear and anxiety, all the instructions my body receives from its fear, the neurotransmitters that tell me how to act and what to avoid, where not to go and what not to do. Sarah Schulman also writes, describing her lack of fear of the cops at an ACT UP demo, our disappeared friends had taken our fear with them. I am still not sure whether there is something useful I can do with my fear, or whether I should be trying to just get rid of it, but I do believe that it is meaningful where relief and solace come from. If I am not afraid because I have been listening to Reagan speeches versus if I am not afraid because the bravery of my murdered friends has taken my fear away, that is a meaningful distinction. Maybe I could sweat and secrete and cry and shit out my fear. On October 5th and 6th, 1789, it was the women who went to Versailles to carry off the baker and the baker's wife and the baker's little boy. Some of them showed a piece of black and moldy bread and added, we will make the Austrian Marie Antoinette swallow it and we will cut her throat. Thanks. The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading
1: and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting
2: us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.